uh, keep track keep, uh, of our attendance. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord God in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you for letting us still exist. Thank you for allowing us, Lord God, to know who you are, to know your power, because it's, it's because of you that we are able to continue to live on in this life. Help us as we study your word today to better understand what you're trying to say to us, what you are saying to us. Come back to you. Don't leave you, Lord, to come back to you when we do. We thank you, Lord, for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we start lesson number 11 uh, of 12 lessons that we have in First, Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. And today we'll be uh, continuing on in chapter 18 of Second Kings. Chapter 18 of Second Kings. Last week we, we ended with uh, what I described as a, a, a cycle that not only does the... Uh, what we see in Israel and Judah, we see a cycle of them, you know, uh, serving God and sinning and then, you know, crying to God and asking for him to allow them to be saved. And then he saves them and then they serve him and then they sin. And then it's just a cycle. And we see that on, uh, ongoing. Um, and we got to the king, uh, king Hezekiah. And that's who we ended or started with last week. Something that I want us to pay attention to is how sometimes we allow what we may determine sometimes in our lives, little things to distract us away from God that end up being big things, really. Looking at, let's see, chapter 18, where I want us to start at. Um, let's look at verse, verse, verse 4. This is talking about Hezekiah and what he, what he had done. And it says, he removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until the, those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it. They called it uh, Nushatan, or Nuhushtan, excuse me. And we can read that and just go on, but I want us to I want us to look at that right quick, that bronze serpent. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, starting at verse 1. The scripture says, The king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Atharim. Atharim, excuse me. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Or another version says they became very impatient. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes, loathes this worthless bread. So, that, you know, we already know that they were all, all often complaining. 
And now they're complaining again. Before Moses, I think, even had a chance to try to stand in the way again, verse 6 says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, Wouldn't you have done the same thing too? These snakes are coming. I don't like snakes. I can't, I don't care what kind of snake it is. All right? Every snake is poisonous to me. It doesn't matter. Tell me any different, it's fine. But snakes are coming through the camp and they're biting people and people are dying. They already know that Moses has his special relationship with God. Same relationship they could have had with him. But they went to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on the pole. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, this is the same bronze serpent that we read about in Second Kings chapter 18. They are serving and worshiping this bronze serpent that had a purpose and that purpose was gone and and yet they've turned this into to their god well in ver- back to second kings chapter 18 verses 5 through 8 we see the um that hezekiah's faith was rewarded and then when we read verses 9 through 12 we've already we've already covered this in the other chapters but uh, um, so we won't repeat it today but the destruction of israel is is repeated so that we see um, like, like I said last week, we've gotten to the end of the kingdom of Israel, but the destruction of Israel is repeated in verses 9 through 12. And then there's a man that's, uh, a king that's introduced to us in verse 13. His, his name is Sennacherib. He's the king of Assyria. He hasn't, he hasn't had to deal with our God yet. He hasn't come up against our God yet. And so, this leads us into how we can see, I hope you'll be able to see how Sennacherib and the Rapshaka and all the, all those, all these folks that are involved, how it relates to today, how we have people who have what I have determined have a big mouth against God, think there are, they are bigger than God, they can say what they want to say and have no, uh, consequences that are going to happen because, well, they think they're, they're better, that their way is the best way. Look at verse 13 of chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 13 says, And in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to king to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars, which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. I think it's, it's sometimes hard for us to 
visualize what has just happened. Because we, we've never seen the temple in, in real life. You know, it's gone. Um, we can only sometimes imagine with our human thoughts, uh, human imagination, um, what it may have looked like. I mean, there's been depictions of, of the temple and what it may have looked like, but we, we've never seen it. And so I did a little bit of research. Um, three, 300 talents of silver in today's time is, is 10 tons of silver or $8 million worth of silver. Uh, and then 30 talents of gold was about one ton of gold or $62 million of gold. That's a lot of money. And you think that would have appeased Sennacherib. Um, but Hezekiah, instead of trusting in God, he trusts, uh, I, I think in this, this sense, he trusts in his vain riches and, and promises. He trusts in the vain promises of Sennacherib. Because when we get to verse 17, after he's given him all, all this money, per se, this gold and silver, it says, then the king of Assyria, this is Sennacherib, sent the Tartan, the Rap, Rapsaris, and the Rapshaka from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to King Hezekiah. So if I, just me, King Hezekiah, I just gave you all this money, you're still going to come up against me. You're still going to come up against me. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they came up, they went and stood by the aqueduct, by the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. Sennacherib tells Hezekiah, and, and through verse 21, not to trust in Egypt, and also um, that his help won't even come from God. It says in verse 20, you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which, um, which if a man's leans, if a man leans, it would go into his hand and pierce it. So is the Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to, the, to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before the altar in Jerusalem. There's a, there's a challenge. Or Sennacherib tells Hezekiah not to trust in God. You can also see this in Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 9 through 15. But in verses 23 to 24, we see that there's a challenge to pay tribute because they could not. Even with proper means like horses and defeat is a weak lieutenant in their army. Sennacherib claims direction also from God. He said, I got direction from God as well. This is through the rap shaka, but um, he's his mouthpiece. In verses 26 to 27, all this is being said. And in verse 26, Elikim, I looked this up last night, I'm still saying it wrong. Uh, the son of Hilkiah, Shimna, and Joah said to Rabshakeh, to the Rabshakeh, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So I was trying to figure out why is this, why was that part important? Well, looking into history, when aqueducts were built, especially 
where it says um, in verse 17, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. This is where they were meeting them at. A fuller was someone who, uh, all intents and purposes, washed clothes. They they bleached clothes. They washed clothes, but they had to have a huge um, amount of water to do it in. It was usually towards the outskirts of the city, um, but everybody can see it because everyone would take their clothes there to get laundered. laundered. Um, but if you stood there and you spoke, everybody could hear you. Well, these folks were saying, speak to us in Aramaic. Excuse me, excuse me, in, uh, yes, in Aramaic. Don't speak to us in Hebrew. Um, because we don't want everybody to hear what you're saying. You, you know, not to discourage the people. Well, you can see this also in Second Chronicles chapter 32. The request to speak in Aramaic is rejected and the taunts begin again. In fact, they say, don't trust in Hezekiah and don't trust in God. Make peace with me and remain at home. Well, remain at home until I remove you to another place that's just like this place. Uh, he's still going to want to come in and, and destroy uh, these the land and this, these people and remove them. But he said, don't don't trust in don't trust in your God, because he only saw God as a little G God, as an idol God, just like his God and then somebody else's God. No other gods say. Um, their peoples from me. Verses 33 to 34, it says, Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria from, from me? Have, have they come and conquered me? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Safar, Vam and Hena and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from before my hand or from my hand. He's like, you know, is God, is God any better than all those other gods? This reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar in, in Daniel chapter 15 chapter 3 verse 15 where he says something similar when he was getting trying to get people to bow down to him where the people were after they hear all this or even before then they were instructed in verse 36 by the king by hezekiah not to even listen to what's being said but if you do don't don't say anything don't answer the challenge don't answer anything that has been said and they go, these messengers go and tell Hezekiah. And the messengers rent their clothes. They tear them because of the challenge and the blasphemy of God. And, and Hezekiah does the same thing. Which brings us to chapter 19 of Second Kings. Something that Hezekiah does that I want to remind us to do as well. It says in verse 1, And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Then he said, sent Elikim, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God. 
and rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, live up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. What I want to remind us of is that we should always do this. <coughs> but when you're in doubt, go to God. In anything, go to God. If you're not sure what to do, go to God. You should be going to him anyway. But, but Hezekiah was like, let me just go to God. And the way that they went, he was able to go to God is through the prophet uh, Isaiah. Isaiah, excuse me, Hezekiah went to the temple and he prayed. Hezekiah went, sent word to Isaiah. And the answer was given to him, fear not, um, fear not Sennacherib. God will defeat him and he will be slain in his own land, verses 6 through 7. Verses 8 through 13, we see that there's trouble for Sennacherib. But he tries one last time to get Hezekiah to surrender. It's like he, he's not going to give up through through the mouths that were there. Um, and before I go on, uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it today, or at least not from up here. But I found something very interesting, probably only to me, about the Reb Shaka. Um, so if you, especially if you've had if you had ch- little children and they watch. Um, he watched a, a few certain movies. You will know what I'm talking about. Please come and talk to me about it. It was very fascinating when I already had it in my head what I thought it was. And then when I found some things out and put two and two together, I was like, man, this Rap Shaffer, he just has a loud mouth for no reason, no good reason. What well, Rap Shaka says again in verse 10, do not trust in God. You can also see this in Second Chronicles 32, 17. Well, Sennacherib also boasts that they have, he, we have conquered all in verse 11. Their gods delivered them to us in verse 12. Talking about, talking about all the other, uh, kingdoms and lands that they've conquered. And where are those kings now in verse 13? Kind of repeating the same thing. He's basically saying nothing can stop us, not even the gods of Jerusalem. Your God cannot save you. Well, He's still doubting some, but he wants to trust in God. And so in verses 14 through 19, we see another prayer. We see a prayer of Hezekiah. You can also see this in 2 Chronicles 32. He says, show and tell. He he does show and tell with um, Jehovah. In verse 14, you see he takes what the letter that was handed to him and he spreads it before the Lord. Have you ever done that yourself? You have something that's on your mind, something that you you just know you can't handle. Have you ever just given it to the Lord, spread it before the Lord? Not that God, not that God doesn't know that He doesn't see it, but are you giving it all to God? I was uh, speaking to someone at work. Um, no, not at work at, at physical therapy uh, a couple of days ago, and we were we were talking to him somewhat on this subject, but about prayer and how. We believe in God. I believe we all believe in God, but sometimes we we doubt that He can help us or He's going to help us at this time because well, it's just it's just so big, whatever it is. And I know y'all often hear me talk about this, but prayer is a, is a, a big thing for me in my life because I know prayer changes things, and I know that God God's will will be done, but He wants me and He wants us to always come to Him for everything. And sometimes what we do is, here's the thing, whatever it is, then I'm trying to give it to the Lord. 
and I give it to him, but I hold on to it. And, you know, I walk around. I still I, I just want to make sure, God, that, you know, we have to fully give it to the Lord. And that's what I see Hezekiah doing. He gives God praise. He ple- um, he asks him to please hear his servant in verse 16. Verse 17, he, he's saying that the Assyrians, they have been victorious. You ever have that in your life? Like everyone seems to be against me or those folks that not those folks that are not even your children, not not Christians. They're they're just winning, Lord. And, and and here I am. I'm your child and I'm I'm just suffering. You ever feel like that? I know you do. I do sometimes. We gotta trust in God though. And that's because we we see with our eyes what we think is going on. We don't really know what's going on, right? We don't. God knows though. He's telling them they destroyed all the four false gods. Well, it didn't matter because those gods weren't real anyway. In verse 19, he says, Therefore, show the world who Jehovah is by sparing Judah. Now, and Isaiah gives um, God's reply to him. In verse 20, God hears his prayer. God hears his prayer. Aren't you thankful that God hears prayers? Are you thankful for that? It's really quiet. Are you thankful that God hears prayers? Yes, thank you. I'm glad that he answers according to his will, though, and not mine. Sometimes we want we want some other things to happen. I'm glad God knows better. I'm glad God's will will be done. Look at verse 20, um, 42 of, of Luke chapter 42. Luke chapter 42 to make this point. And I'm making here Luke 42, 22, 42. All these twos. Luke 22, 42. It said, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Yours be done. What if, what if God went the way that Jesus started this prayer. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. If it was God's will, he starts with, if it's his will. If it's not, then don't. Sometimes we don't do that, though. Sometimes we say, Lord, please take this away from me. Just just take, I, I would rather you just take this away from me. And that's my will. I would want that to happen. I don't want these bad things to happen to me. Do you realize, and I know you do, that sometimes when things happen to us, they help us grow. The difficulties that we go through help us grow. James tells us about that. James in the Bible. But James talks about it as well. James tells us about that. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. In verse 13, it says, Come now who say to get today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life it is even a va- it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away instead you ought to say if the lord wills we shall live and do this or that you know people hear me say that cuz it's part of my language wow you so old school yeah. And if the creek don't um, dry, right? Don't, don't old fill or something they, they would say. I'm like, no, that's, that's Bible. And I believe that. Cause I don't, I don't have the power to sustain my life on my own. I don't have the power to save my soul. 
only God does. And so, yes, and God, God willing, this will happen. If the Lord will allow it to happen, if it's according to his will. Sennacherib blasphemed God. And that's what God is saying. In verses 21 to 22, going back to 2 Kings 19, he speaks boastful just as Sennacherib would have. Talking about God. Look at verse 23. It says, by your messengers, you have reproached the Lord and said, by the multitude of my chariots, I have come up to the height of the mountains, to the limits of, of Lebanon. I will cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypress trees. I will enter the extremity of its borders to the fruitful forest. I have dug and drunk strange water, and with the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the brooks of defense. And God says to him, did you not hear long ago how I made it? From ancient times that I formed it, now I have brought it to pass that you should be for crushing fortified cities into heaps of ruins. Therefore, their inhabitants had little power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and the green herb and as the grass of the housetops, on the housetops, and the grain blighted before it is grown but i know your dwelling place you're going out and you're coming in and your rage against me because your rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears therefore i will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips i will turn you back by the way which you came and then there's a sign that's given to him he speaks Boastful because God can speak boastfully and truthfully. Verses 27 through 28, we see that God knows all that he does. God knows all that we do. And he turns him around as a rider is on his horse. And there's promises um, from the Lord. There are signs that are given in verses 29 through 31 um, about the two-year siege and how uh, in the third year there will be they will be able to plant and harvest. Verses 30 through 31 just as the remnant of a seed for planting is left, so shall there be a remnant for God. There's always a remnant and a remnant within the remnant. Meaning that there are people that are serving God, but not truly serving God. And then within those folks, there are even a small contingent of folks that who are truly serving God. And God knows who those are then and now. God always God always uh, wants us to be serving him. There are always those who want to do what God wants them to do. There are always going to be people, always going to be people who are going to do what God wants them to do. It may not be a lot of, a lot of them, but there's always going to be some. And so as we get through um, chapter 19, we see that therefore God fights for Israel and Sennacherib will not enter Jerusalem. He shall go home the way he came. And we see that the defense of Jerusalem is, is God's defense. Verse 35 through 37 says, And it came to pass on a certain night um, that the angel of the Lord went out and killed the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000. And when the people arose in the morning, there were the, there were the corpse all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. 
Now it came to pass as he was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch, his God, that his sons, Adremelech and Sharazar, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. Later on in history, Esarhaddon had two sons who really didn't like each other. One was going to be serving after the king. You know, he was going to be the heir, heir of the throne. The other one didn't like that, even though his, his father put him in charge of some other cities. Well, there's, there's hooks and, and, and chains that are, are brought in. This is in history, not here in the Bible that I was reading about that made me think about what God was saying to, uh, the king of Assyria at the time about, um, In verse 28, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips. I don't, I don't know if that had anything to do with that, but I just know that history tells us those two brothers didn't like each other and there were some hooks and, and war and fighting that went in, in between them and, and nothing good came out of that. Uh, Assyria doesn't even exist per se anymore in, in the sense that it did here. So Sennacherib is slain by his sons and the prophecy is fulfilled. Hezekiah becomes prosperous in Second Chronicles 32. We can read this in verse 23. He becomes prosperous again and is exalted by all the nations, which brings us to chapter 20. Hezekiah's illness and uh, his display of wealth to the Chaldean uh, envoys. Good men and good women can still make mistakes. Um, and I use good uh, very loosely, but people who are trying to do right, we, we still mess up. We still sin. And we see that Hezekiah gets sick and he recovers in chapter 20, verses 1 through 22. He's told in verse 1 to set his house in order. And in verse 2, it says that he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, Lord, I pray how I walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept uh, bitterly. Now, this is not a self-righteous prayer, but an honest one. Uh, to be cut off at age 40 was a, what could be a disgrace. And if you're trying to see if I got my, my ages right, you just have to go back and do, do your math. You can use your fingers if you need to in, uh, back in the same, in chapter 18 and verse 2. See what, see what age he was when he became king. See what age he is now. Um, and then add 15 years to that because he's going to get 15 years back and then subtract it to make sure your, your math is right. I'm sure I just sound all confusing just now, but that's why we have the Bible. So go back to Second Kings chapter 18 and you'll figure it out. But he's 39, 40 years old right now. And um, to be cut off without a son because he doesn't have one is also uh, just a disgrace. Manasseh was born during his, his 15 years of extra life. God answers his prayers in verses uh, four through seven, we see that he will be healed, that he will get 15 years of life at it. And I was thinking about this. What would you do knowing that God has given you 15 more years of life right now? What would you do? What would you do spiritually? I'm not talking about financially because it's still going to be here when you leave. What would you do spiritually? What more could you do for the Lord? And also we see that God will defend Jerusalem during this time. Look at verse 8 of chapter 20. 
It says, And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, This is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees or go backward ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward ten degrees. So Hezekiah, excuse me, Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees back, backward, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Hahaz. Ten degrees backwards. He allowed the sun to back up some, or the world to spin back around just a little bit more and then start spinning again. Time went back. Now we look at verse 12. It says, at the time, at that time, Barodak, Baladun, the son of Baladun, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures and the silver and the gold, the spices and the precious ornament, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his demand that Hezekiah did not show them. Vanity is his ruin, is Hezekiah's ruin. Uh, it was so easy, it's so easy for us to beat up on Hezekiah and say, you shouldn't have done that, but we, we can be the same way. If you are, uh, um, let me say it this, this way, when I'm talking about vanity, he, he was sick and the Babylonian king is paying attention to me. And he sent an envoy and they brought me a present and they're flattering me. If you are a teacher, if you, a man, woman, an elder, deacon, a preacher, a person, we can allow flattery to bring us down. Be careful of the people, of people always flattering you. You are not the answer for the reason why you are like you are. I would hope you would understand that. Look at Psalm 12. Psalm 12. Starting at verse 2. It says there, They speak idly everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all the flattering lips and a tongue that speaks proud things. What, what I'm getting at is here is that there are sometimes when people people will flatter you, and in this sense, to get something else. I, I'm I just I'm just saying, be cautious that you don't allow that to fill your head up and make you think that you are better than you are, and that you forget about God. Psalm five nine says, "For there is no faithfulness in their mouth; their inward part is destruction." Moving on, we see that. In in Second Kings, turning back there, oh, sorry. Second Kings chapter nineteen, excuse me, chapter twenty. Second Kings chapter twenty, verse fourteen through nineteen. Isaiah has a combination to 
to Hezekiah. He was like, what did you show them? I showed them everything. I didn't hide anything. And in verse 15, Isaiah says, and he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried away. He's telling him, you're going to lose it all. Everything is going to be gone. Your sons are going to be um, taken. And, and then we get to verse 19. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which is which you have spoken is good. For he said, will there not be peace and truth, at least in, in my days? And I always look at that just a little complicated, like, okay, I hear you, and that's great. God is good. And what he says, I know it's going to happen, but I'm going to be all right, right? And that's a little, to me, a little selfish. Um, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you might might see it a different way. But we go on to read, now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. If you want to read more about Hezekiah and, and what, what verse 20 just talked about, you can look in Second Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 32, um, verses 30, 27 through 30. But something that I am... I'm definitely happy that that Hezekiah did. You know, he did trust in God. Like I said, sometimes we make trying trying to please God or trying to serve God. Sometimes we do we mess up too, and we, we're not thinking. But Hezekiah does in the beginning of all of this trial, all this tribulation with Sennacherib in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two, starting at verse two, he does prepare. Just one or to review this, he does prepare to meet or go against Sennacherib, just in case. It says in Second Chronicles 32, verse 2, And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs, which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs in the brook that ran through the land saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside. Also he repaired the millo in the city of David, and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or dis nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Um, Hezekiah was talking to those folks then. But the same is true today. God is in control. God can fight our battles for us if we will allow him to. God can help us if we just give it all to him. Don't hold on to any of it. Give it to the Lord. He's better at it anyway. Better than, than we are. So there, we, we've read through chapter 20 and we see that the noted works 
of Hezekiah, and we see that he dies, and his son Manasseh, he becomes king, he reigns as a king. Now, he was evil. He was um, the 14th king, uh, as we read it now. He, he is evil. 14th king of Judah. He reigns for 55 years. And in those 55 years, he built high places. He built altars to Baal. He erected groves. He served all the hosts of heaven. He built altars in the temple. He built altars in the court of the temple. He offered human sacrifices. He practiced astrology and witchcraft. He set idols in the temple. He did more evil than the nations God had removed. He shed innocent blood with human sacrifice. And that's in chapter 20, you know, verses 3 all the way to verse 16. You can compare that to Second Chronicles chapter 33. Because of all that he did, verses 10 through 16 shows us that captivity was a result. In verse 12 of chapter 22, the scripture there says, Then the king, sorry, not chapter 22, chapter 21, chapter 21, verse 12, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon the Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will, will tingle. And this shows just how thorough the cleansing was going to be in verse 13. There will also be a smaller remnant, as I talked about before. You have to continue to go on in chapter 33 of Second Chronicles, verses 11 through 16, to see how Manasseh carried away, was carried away to Babylon and how Manasseh repents and is forgiven and then is returned to Jerusalem. In verses 14 through 16 of Second Chronicles 33, we see that Manasseh then understood and knew that the Lord was God. And he restores and fortifies the cities of Judah. He also destroys all the idol worship places he had built and offered sacrifices to God. The people continue, though, to, to conduct false worship in high places, but only um, to God. Understand that, and as I've been talking about before, leaders have a great responsibility, and leaders can influence those that are around them. And he was doing so bad for so long that even when he returned to do right, the people still, well, I still want to do this. I want to do this other thing. His influence um, was so negative that the people, even his son, continued to do what was wrong. Uh, Manasseh dies in verses 17 through 18, and his son Amon, uh, Amon, Amon reigns. Uh, he's the 15th king, and we're gonna, we're gonna leave it there. I asked as we, next week, are gonna finish up 2nd King, 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, that you read to the end of the chapter of, uh, end, end of the book of 2nd Kings, um, from chapter 21 on, and then you read on through the end of Second Chronicles, because that's where we'll be when we'll talk about Josiah. I thank you all for being here today, and I and I pray that you are getting something from God's word, not necessarily from me, but if I can help in any way to help you understand a little bit better what has been talked about today or in the past, please let me know. We are dismissed.